Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. In the world of modern technology, we open our laptops, scroll endlessly on our smartphones, send tons of data to the cloud, and we don't think twice about it. But have you ever wondered how we got to now with our personal devices? What it took were teams of engineers and programmers who had the vision and audacity to build new machines. I'm Saranya Barak. Join me for an incredible new season of the podcast and keep on coding. Season four is airing now. Subscribe to Command Line Heroes today, wherever you get your podcasts. When I started at Digital Trends, I had literally never had any smart home tech at all. And I was the home editor. I was barely like, well, what is Bluetooth? Like, how does that even work? This episode of the Women in Tech podcast is a Red Bull Basement University special edition. In this series, you'll hear from both students and mentors of the program over the next few weeks. Red Bull Basement University means to me an exciting time and lots of networking. One word that I would describe Red Bull Basement University as is inspiring, not only because you get to meet other people who are just as excited as you, but also you get to meet mentors who will inspire you for the rest of your journey, and that is one thing that I am very grateful The number one thing I learned is how to work with new people in challenging situations. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. celebrating women in tech around the world so excited to be here in toronto canada yes we get to be with red bull university and i cannot wait to introduce our next woman in tech hello hi (laughs) told you i got loud (laughs) well go ahead tell everybody who you are a little bit about what you do Sure. I'm Jenny McGrath and I work for Digital Trends. I'm a senior writer there and we do news, reviews, features, everything tech related. So, yeah. And how long have you been passionate about the world of technology, business, startups? What is your main vibe within the tech world? So I have been with Digital Trends for five years. And before that, I was working for a software company and I was not passionate about that probably I would say it was pretty pretty dry stuff but um, when I started digital trends I was working with smart home tech so that was really exciting it was you know five years ago and it doesn't seem like it but that was kind of when things really started to catch on you know it was early days of Alexa and you know the nest stuff was was just catching on so that was 
really exciting to see and, you know, kind of getting to test all those products and find out what I did and did not want in my home was pretty cool. (laughs) And what did you do um, at the software company? What was your role there? Um, So I was a their senior writer as well there and it was more like writing on the you know their website copy and and kind of doing more internal communication stuff so so you've always been into tech and into reporting on technology when did you first discover that curiosity for the tech space um so that it's funnily enough uh, that was actually kind of my first you know delving into that space before then I was an entertainment reporter. So it was a very different world. And, you know, I, I sort of, my, my dad has always been like a total tech kind of early adopter. Like, you know, we had computers when I was, you know, probably five years old. And so he definitely always had like the newest gadget and, and things like that. So I kind of got a little bit of that from him, but I was kind of late to like the smart, phone game like I don't think I had what I was like I'm not paying for data until like probably like 2012 so that was kind of like a little late to the to the game but you know after that I was like all right this I don't know how I can walk around without GPS in my pocket otherwise I will get lost forever do you know my dad too was an early adopter and that was um the influence Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have been in tech if it wasn't for how I was raised it really brings to mind is something I don't talk about very often, but I really think that the more board games we have for tech, the more we introduce the opportunity of um, building and technology as a child, the more probable it would be that it, it may be something we want to explore as it was for you and I as we mm-hmm. get older. Um and I think people are doing that. I see, but not as much. Like, I don't see it as abundant as you would think. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're more familiar because you've been reporting on. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of sort of get kids to code toys that are kind of coming out. My my niece is three years old and my brother-in-law it works as a STEM teacher and my sister is a science teacher. So they are all about getting her into STEM like now. They're like, all right, this is when it starts. And so she has kind of this little caterpillar toy that like, all right, if you put this, you know, little piece on it, will turn left. And yeah. then if you put this one on, it will turn right. And it's sort of just getting you know, the idea of like, this is what coding is in sort of a very accessible way that maybe one day when she's not three, she'll look back and kind of connect those dots. Totally. Okay. So you started like I did as we were kids. And then when did you parlay your curiosity in tech as a child into it starting to become a profession or at least in that path? Did you study it in school? No. Not at all. What did you study? I was an English major and for my Creative writing major. Yeah. So funny. I was creative writing. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. Yeah. So then I got um, my master's in creative nonfiction uh, from Northwestern. (laughs) What? Yeah. I feel like we were on like parallel (laughs) paths. That's cool. Yeah. So it was, you know, and and like I said, I was, you know, kind of doing entertainment reporting and um, my, my old boss from that job started working in software. She had come from sort of more the Microsoft world, you know, being in in Seattle. I think everyone I know at some point has worked for Microsoft. So so she um, kind of brought me on there, and that's kind of where it really began to... Where it flourished. Mm -hmm. The early days of you going into a tech profession, what did your mentorship atmosphere look like? You said your early boss worked for Microsoft, and that kind of started to inject the acceleration opportunity of knowledge 
what was that mentorship relationship or other ones that you had at that time? Yeah, I would say, you know, she was probably the the main one just because it was a software startup and they were not at startup level anymore. They were like more like five to seven years in when I don't think you're legally allowed to call yourself a startup yeah, anymore, you know? Yeah, know, as much as they try to like, I mean, is it Google still startup? Right, yes. right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they try to keep that, like that atmosphere or whatever, which, um, for better or worse, I guess. But, um, you know, we were, I think the only two women really working and she was at a pretty high, you know, she was there sort of, um, director of communication. So she was at a very high level. So sort of seeing like where she, where she fit in was pretty interesting. And, you know, I think like doing the sort of more, uh, corporate communications is not really what I was into. I was just kind of a nice introduction and then getting to work at digital trends and sort of do more of the reporting and then reviews and all of that stuff was, um, like just a completely different story and, you know, a lot more fun than sort of being like, all right, how do I make something that I'm not super interested in fun and exciting? Right. And what would you say in your career, uh, because now you're with digital trends and you're writing with digital, so you've had this really prosperous career as a writer. What would you say is a huge challenge that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? Um, well, so when I started at Digital Trends, I had literally never had any smart home tech at all. And I was the home editor. And so it was oh, kind wow. of a big, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm going to have to learn about all of this stuff that I've known. You know, yeah. like I was, I was barely like, well, what is Bluetooth? Like, how does that even work? You know? Really? Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. how do you even get a job for smart <laughs> home tech without any smart home like, how do you yeah. get that? Yeah, so I was living in, in Portland, and they were looking for a home editor for, I think, probably half a year. And, mm. you know, Portland is not a big media place. It's just, it's not like they have a ton of people. And so I think the people that were coming in were either not super into sort of the home tech world. Right. And, but, you know, had other technology. Yeah. Or, like, were into it, but weren't necessarily going to be able to handle the tasks of an editor. It's right. like a very weird role. So I sort of was like, okay, I can definitely do the editorial side. I'm going to have to learn about yeah. the tech side. And they were like, okay, sure. Let's see how it goes. So. That Okay. So there's this theory that if a man and a woman are offered the same exact role and they're, they both don't have experience, the man will take it and say, I'll figure it out. And the woman will be like, let me go figure it out and then I'll take it. Mm. So how did you have the confidence to make the leap and take it and then figure it out? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created getpodcastlisteners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out getpodcastlisteners.com. That's getpodcastlisteners.com. How did you have the confidence to make the leap and take it and then figure it out? 
I think I just really wanted a new job. (laughs) (laughs) Great answer. Great answer. (laughs) Well, you know, because I was I I was technically freelance at my my other company, and I was like, you know what, I miss benefits. So, like, Like, I'll figure it out. (laughs) Just give me my benefits. Yeah, basically. And you know, I was like, well, how hard can it be? And it like so it was at that time the role was very divided like smart home was still like it wasn't super popular it was people are still right. figuring out and they were also wanted to cover stuff like appliances and so i was like okay well that it seems more approachable because right. you know how how much tech is really in your washing machine it turns out there's a lot but like yeah. at the time i was like okay like that's fine and then you know i definitely had moments where i was like clearly don't know what I'm doing yeah. but like you know it took I would say I don't know what how many years has it been five and now I'm like okay I can probably like talk to you about washing machine tech that's for a long time cool. like, yeah. that's so cool what do you think the best piece of advice you've gotten the one that's really given you a sound perspective to continue to accelerate forward well I guess you know I, I was just talking about this the other day the um, great book by Anne Lamont uh, Bird by Bird which is about huh. Yeah, the writing book, which is like, no matter how big a problem seems, you know, just take it bird by bird, which is basically like one thing at a time. And I think that is that works for like almost any problem, but it especially works for writing because, you know, no matter how big your project is, you have to start somewhere. And so when you like kind of break it down in that way, it's like, okay, like I have not a one giant task. I have, you know, 10 smaller tasks that make it a little less daunting. So I've had that book forever and I've never read it and it's still on my bookshelf. Um, one thing I want to ask, I, we were just in Ukraine yesterday mm. and we did this interview and this awesome, um, woman in tech, Olga has, um, do you know, telegram, the mobile app telegram? Mm-hmm. I've never and, used it, but yeah. 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 And there's, um, she has a book group on there. And oh, so cool. one question I, and it's really popular, has like a thousand people or something. That's <laughs> amazing. And she says, yeah, I just love to read. And, my question to her was, and I don't know if you could answer. Do, now, do you read a lot? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I find that because of technology, my brain has be- a lot of our brains. It feels like I'm on heroin with mm. the phone. Mm-hmm. It's it's a frustrating. And I really appreciate reading. What suggestions can you give us to help us read. It just feels like when I pick up a book, I can't even get through two pages without my brain, like needing to look at my phone or, you know, Mm -hmm. so do you have any suggestions there? Um, so it depends on, I I do a lot of reading for like research and stuff. So I find like it is very helpful to have like a pen and paper next to me to like jot things down. And I think that might help with, even with like fiction, because there's always something like, cool and interesting in a book that you probably want to remember. And if you find books super sacred and don't want to write in the margins, like just get a little notebook and like have it there to write stuff down. And then if you, you know, find yourself wanting to look at your phone, like I would say pick up the pen instead and like write something down. And maybe even if you just write down, like, I wonder what's on my phone, like it will, you know, give you that like kind of scratch the itch of like, okay, I've like, I've done something else, but then I can easily get back in because you're not going to, want to keep writing like do you find the same challenge I do yeah I think like especially with fiction for some reason like it just seems like it's not I just maybe I just need to read better books I don't know but like yeah so I and there are books that I find like okay I'm like super immersed I've actually I like listen to audiobooks way more than I actually read now because I yeah do have the need to like 
I'll like play a stupid game in my phone when I'm reading them or something because totally. I need to like do two things at once, I think. Oh, so I asked her this question to you and I was actually surprised by the answer. I'll tell you after. I said, do you think um, audiobooks are the same impact as reading a book? What do you think? So I've actually read a couple articles about this. I'm excited. Um, yeah, and it's and it's it is a different experience, but you you get a different impact. So you definitely have a, there's a certain uh, experience you get when you're reading a book. But think about like what an audiobook narrator can do, right? Because right. you're going to get their interpretation of how mm. lines are read, and you. Whoa! I didn't think of that before. I always thought about it in relation to like learning grammar and sentence formatting and and new words. I didn't think about it in the sense of daydreaming and vis- visualization as well. Yeah. So you get like their performance, right? It's like, ah. it is a totally different experience. And yeah, you might like there are, you'll probably miss some things, especially if you listen on how, like, 1.5 yeah. speed like I sometimes totally. do but like 100%. yeah but you know what I mean like and it also depends on what I'm reading like I am not listening to audiobooks of like Tolstoy I'm reading you know I'm like yeah. listening to like murder mysteries and things like that that are just like I need to like not listen to the yeah. news anymore and not read the news so like let me you know good old-fashioned murder mystery where like you know, you already know what's going to happen. So, <laughs> Because I think the thing that I really appreciate about, um, and now I think there's a huge difference. My mentor um, says the way he became a successful businessman is that he read one book a week since mm. he was 14, one oh, wow. business book a week. And he, he physically reads them. And I, I personally think that there's something really valuable in physically reading, which is why I'm frustrated that I'm not doing it more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just don't know how to like get past that addiction or every like two pages. And the thing that I love about the audiobooks is I'm listening when I'm driving a car, so I don't have the choice to multitask because mm-hmm. like I'm annoyed with driving the car. So it's kind of just like it's great that I feel like I'm being productive. But if I'm reading a book, I'm sitting there, so I could easily just get up and do something else. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, well, you live in LA, so you're, you need to have something to do while you drive. Whereas I live in Seattle, we, yeah. I like drive like once a week, maybe. Oh, so. Gosh, so jealous. <laughs> Uh, how can people connect with you? Where can, where do you hang out? Are you on LinkedIn? Uh, yeah. But that's not your fave. Okay, yeah, what's yeah. your fave? Um, I mean, I'm on Twitter. I, what's I, your Twitter uh, handle? It's Jenny McGee's. So it's M-C-G-E-E-Z, I think. You think? Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll Google yeah. it, make sure we'll include it in the show notes. Is there anything that you wanted to share that we haven't shared yet? No, I think this was was great. I have some questions for you, but we can do that. No, no, ask why. <laughs> ask me questions. Let's 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 be open with everybody. Okay. Well, I mean, so you just got back from like five countries. Did okay, you count? Let's see. No, I didn't count yet. Okay. So Turkey, Kazakhstan, Belarus, Lithuania, Georgia, Ukraine, and now Canada. So six. Okay. So what was what's been your like? favorite experience of the trip oh my god my gut feeling you're gonna hate me everybody's (laughs) gonna roll their eyes right now okay my gut I loved the pomegranates and watermelon in Istanbul (laughs) (laughs) like I was like fresh food without chemicals (laughs) I don't know like I just loved how accessible 
fresh fruit mm-hmm. was. And in LA, we have such a fast food. I know we have this like juicing culture, which I think is ridiculous with the <laughs> like $10 celery juice. Yeah. <laughs> but then alternatively, we have a very high fast food culture. Mm. And so Istanbul was my first out of Los Angeles on this recent trip. So I hadn't been to all, like in Ukraine, there's not very many chemicals and food, if any at all, right? But I, this was like, uh, I, got, I got a flight out of LA and now I'm in Turkey. And it just felt amazing to eat food without chemicals. Like just so it's just right there. And so that really struck a chord <laughs> with me. Um, but I'm sure you're asking the impact of like <laughs> women in tech. No, I, like, no. That's how I'm supposed I to mean, answer it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I just think it's such a gift. Like, is this the first podcast you've been interviewed on? Um, mostly. Mm, no. No? No. Okay. <laughs> so most of, which is so cool, by the way. So most of the women I've interviewed just by chance. It's the first podcast they've ever been interviewed on. And I feel so um, lucky that I get to be a part of everyone's journey. And I could only hope it it sets the energy for them to be on several more stages and podcasts and everything. And so for me, it's not so much about the who, it's the why, and it's the like what can come of it for others. It's not just like, oh, the women in tech in Georgia were like this and the women in tech in Kazakhstan were like that. Like, I just think it's so freaking cool. I guess if I had to pick one experience related to women in tech, it would be in Kazakhstan on the seed start stage of the event. I interviewed this amazing woman in tech, Laura, and it was her first time speaking on stage in English. And it was for the podcast. We were performing it on stage. And it was just such a cool moment. Like, how courageous Mm. to speak publicly in a language that's not yours for the first time and for it to air for zillions of people to listen to. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. So that really struck a chord. I also, I'd say the biggest thing I learned from all the interviews, sorry that my pomegranate watermelon is what started (laughs) this. I I feel like I've let so many people down already. I Um, mean, I would drink that water. I would drink, (laughs) I don't know if I'd pay $10, but maybe. No, that's the thing in Istanbul. Like it's like 50 cents or something. You know what I mean? In LA, that pomegranate and watermelon would be like 50 bucks. Um, no, the, the thing, Laura, again, um, taught me the word pronoia. Have you heard of this word? Mm-mm. Okay. It's the opposite of paranoia. Pronoia is a word that means, um, everything is happening in your favor. So mm-hmm. even if something quote unquote bad happens, it's happening for you. It's happening to benefit you in some way. I love that. And the reason why I love it is because Sometimes I feel these philosophies of like law of attraction and blah, blah, blah. It's like kind of like, okay, you know, (laughs) I like the word pronoia because it feels like it's not a belief system. It's just a word that I can perceive life through if I choose to, Mm -hmm. rather than having to believe in something mystical or atoms or attracting atoms of things that I don't know about. Just like, oh, pronoia. Okay, what if I just looked at life from that perspective, Mm -hmm. you know? So that was a big learning moment for me. But I really like just loved all the women I met. They were all so inspiring and so different. So many different levels of companies from companies starting out to companies who have like, you know, hundreds of employees to like, you know, founders. It's just... Uh, Ukraine specifically just got its independence like something like 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. I think it's the same with Kazakhstan. 
I think it might be similar. I don't know too much about Soviet history, but it's, I think that's about with all the CIS countries, like post-Soviet countries, they gained their independence relatively recently. So to think that these women are exploring their creative and entrepreneurial freedoms and it's so new and especially those that started it just like 10 years ago when it was so so fresh like Mm -hmm. and you're coming from a a society where that kind of stuff was just like frowned upon or you don't think about it you're not allowed to think about it now you're like pushing forward I mean even one of the guys on our you know here with us at um, Red Bull University like media excursion he's from Ukraine strangely enough and he started his YouTube vlog like nine years ago. Mm. Like to be a, I mean, YouTube still isn't a thing there. So to be like a YouTube vlogger, to see beyond that and like, and he does it full time. That's like you and I, we're Americans. We've had our freedom our whole lives. Mm-hmm. You know, that just like blows my mind that, that you even know how to be entrepreneur or even consider being entrepreneurial when not having freedom was just like just behind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. It's just so courageous to me. Yeah. Is that even an answer? No, your no, totally. Yeah, that was awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay, what's the next one? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I let her down with the watermelon and pomegranates. <laughs> uh, how do you find a lot of the, the women that you're interviewing? There's a couple ways. Um, one, an organization reaches out to me like Seed Stars, and then they set up a bunch of interviews. Or here, like at Red Bull University, like they set up a bunch of um, interviews. Um, or I um, have a, a starting point. Let's even just say it's Seed Stars again in in Kazakhstan, and then I'll post my personal Facebook specifically. I'll post to my personal Facebook and the Women in Tech show um, Twitter handle. Going to Kazakhstan, please connect me with the community or who do you think I should feature? I get so many like tags and then um Janice on my team and I follow up with everybody and we just schedule the interviews and then we find a place etc so for a ton of logistics it's a lot of work mm-hmm. but that's how it starts so and then the third way is um if I don't have a network somewhere or if I didn't get a lot of hits for some reason um I'll reach out to every single co-working space in the area and let them know I'm coming and if they have different women in tech and sometimes I'll do all three things just depending and also depending on the time that I have. Mm -hmm. So for instance, on this trip in Toronto, Canada, primarily it's everything that Red Bull has connected me with. And then I am staying a couple days extra and I'm meeting with a tech company that I actually met in Lithuania and they've coordinated interviews all day long with women in tech on their team. So that's what I'll be doing the day after this officially ends. So yeah. you just never sleep, basically. Yeah. A lot of people <laughs> say that about me. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny, one more question. What is your favorite tech tool? Like hardware, software, mobile app? Uh, I could not live without LastPass. Yeah. Okay. Why LastPass and not 1Password? Um, because I think I've never tried. Oh, then just <laughs> because that's what yeah. you know. It does, so, yeah. Can you tell us what LastPass does? Yeah, it. Uh, you can get it on both your phone and your computer, and it saves all of your passwords, and it will recommend really insanely complicated passwords that you don't have to remember because it will just automatically input it for you into all the things that you need, Twitter, your email, yeah, all, all the, the random sh- shopping sites that you go to. It's important, you know, um, hackers buy all the passwords. So if you use the same password again and again, it's super stupid. 
I mean, I, I, I know because I've been super stupid. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. If you want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, be sure to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight to the Facebook group. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs> This is Jenny McGrath. I'm a senior writer at Digital Trends. We do news, reviews, and all things tech. I'm based in Seattle, Washington, and you are listening to Women in Tech. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We're so proud of what we've created with the Women in Tech podcast. To support us in our journey to celebrating women in tech around the world, go to womenintech.fm and click on the donation link on the right side of the page. That's womenintech.fm. The donation link is the top right side of the page. We really appreciate you being a part of our journey and we look forward to celebrating so many more women to come. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Show notes by Carl Marty. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.